It's show 111 of the RimPro Report. Today, Colm Lane of Lane Archive Technologies in the Philippines. And the latest industry news, uh, this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. You might not know this, but O'Neill is recognized as a Microsoft Gold vendor partner. I did some digging, and here's what that means. To earn a Microsoft Gold competency, partners must successfully complete exams to prove their level of technology expertise and then designate these certified professionals uniquely to one Microsoft competency, ensuring a certain level of staffing capacity. That's the kind of commitment O'Neill has to creating quality software. If you want that kind of industry-leading capability backing your software choice, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. You know, it's only two months till Christmas, so what say today we deck the halls? Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports. The one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news. Views. Here's what I believe. And the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note. This show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, hello, hello. Yep, just two short months till some of you will be unwrapping presents from under the tree. Others will be celebrating the holidays in other ways. And while this is not meant to scare you, I must warn you that this also means the year end is fast approaching. Are you close to achieving your goals for 2012? Thankfully, there's still a little time to make it up if you're not quite there yet. Many I've talked to over the last few weeks are fully engaged in planning 2013 goals and budgets and preparing for what's ahead. So yeah, whatever it is you're facing and dealing with as we creep into the end of October 2012, I hope you're doing it well. Uh, I'm looking forward today to chatting with Colm Lane. Colm is the general manager of Lane Archive Technologies in the Philippines, and he's going to be on the show with me today. A few times over the years, I've met Colm at industry events and got pieces of their story. And today I want to explore what they've done even more. And I, I think you'll get to learn some interesting stuff that might help you in your business. But before I get Colm on the line, let's catch up on the latest industry news. Access appears to keep rolling. After the recent RetrieveX announcement, word was out yesterday of the latest acquisitions, Adams Data Management in Atlanta. Adams operates two facilities in the greater Atlanta area. We've been in the business forever. One of the early early record center operations in the Atlanta area. While Access already had a location in Atlanta, this more than solidifies their position in that marketplace. So congratulations to Rob Alston and the Access team on the acquisition and to Jimmy Adams on the sale of the RIM division of his company. Lest you think that would be enough for one week, looks like Access has also landed some major new talent hiring Sean Stevens from Cornerstone. Sean has been a guest on the show and is well known in the greater RIM industry as a data protection leader. Sean will join Access as their new VP of client experience. Sean's new role with Access includes development and implementation of client-focused programs, including improved customer care and account management processes, new client feedback portals, and the launch of a new user group network. So congratulations to Sean on his brand new gig. 
This looks interesting. Brightstone Insurance and Brightstone Consulting Group, led by Jim Booth, have announced that they will be working to revise the PRISM publication Insurance and Risk Transfer Guideline. The publication was created back in 2000 to help PRISM members understand the fundamentals of insurance and risk. This revision, however, is based on more current issues and requirements and includes specifically information related to managing the risks related to data breaches, which were not covered or addressed in the previous publication. Looks like the revised publication should be ready for public consumption by the 2013 Parism Conference. Well, that's uh, part of the news this week. There's probably a lot more, but those were the big events for the week. So that's it for now. If you've got big news to share, I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to uh, Get the call going to the Philippines. This is officially the first call and the new phone equipment here in the studio. So fingers crossed it'll all work out. Hang on while I get Colm Lane on the line. I am extremely excited to be on the uh, the phone to the Philippines today. Colm Lane is the general manager of Lane Archive Technologies located in uh, in the Philippines, and they've got locations in a number of other places we'll talk to them about. Colm, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. So let, let's begin by talking initially about Lane Archive Technologies. Tell me about the business, the range of services, your relative size, the locations, you know, your staffing. Tell, tell me sort of what the, the footprint looks like today and what you're all about. 25 years in this business, so we, have, we now have um, spread in three locations across the Philippines. The biggest one primarily would be in Manila here. Um, Manila is a population of about 12 million. So in Manila, we have, um, we have a hard copy our hard copy business, which is basically a um, 10,000 square meter warehouse. And then we also have in another location in Manila, our media vaults, which they're approximately 400 square meters of media vaults. We do um, tape storage and data rotation, etc. We added shredding services, um, digital cap- capture, and we also have introduced a RIMS consultancy and training staff-wise. We have about 40 full-time staff and in around the same number, 40 casual staff, which goes up or down depending on how busy we get, etc. Wow. And uh, we have about 10 trucks which um, fly the city route here on a daily basis. Wow. So you, you have a substantial operation. Well, I guess it is, Tom. Yeah, it's, it's kind of grown up slowly as they do over the years, but it's quite, um, it's quite a handful now. Yeah. So let's go back then into the story and give me a quick description of the birth and growth of the business. How did you get started in this? Because permit me to make an observation. You don't sound like you come from the Philippines. You kind of have a another kind of accent going on. Very, very well spotted there, uh, <laughs> I know. I am, I'm pretty genius at this stuff. You're good, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, we're an Irish family. I come from an Irish family, and um, yeah. I guess um, we started here... My brother Jerry was the first one to come into the Philippines. He came in here via the moving industry. He was working with North American van lines at the time, and they posted him to Manila back in the uh, mid-70s. Yeah. He kind of fell in love with the country, and Navtrans actually pulled out of here. They had other ideas. They didn't think that the Philippines was going to grow. So he stayed on. He started a moving company called Lane Moving and Storage, and that was in uh, 77. And that kind of, uh, 
uh, became very successful. And then another brother joined us, uh, Brian Lane, a few years later. So we had a couple of brothers. And then I, I came in around the early 90s. And by that time, they had already, um, like I said, the moving industry was very successful. They had also added uh, a records management division. Yeah. That was in 87, which was kind of small at the time because, well, uh, you know, as most businesses, most of these kind of business grow out of out of the moving industry, as we know, right? Right. And then, um, so I started basically as the operations manager back in '91. Uh, okay. Knowing very little, very little about the business, but I'm keen to learn. So there was three of us then, uh, which is nice working with your brothers and all that. So it was a good, a good opportunity. At that, we had about thirty thousand cartons. So we just kind of grew bit by bit, slowly, slowly grew the business. By 2002, we were able to recognize the fact that we needed to open elsewhere. So we opened up our second um, office, which was in Cebu. Uh, 2003, we, we saw another opportunity to purchase a small records information management company called File Managers, which we did. We purchased, they had about um, 7,000 cartons at that time. Yeah. But by 2003, we were now up to around 100,000 carton mark. Okay. Um, 2005 started uh, to look at international standards and we were certified to the uh, universal standard ISO 9001 2008. Then in 2007, our next milestone, I guess we uh, opened in another city in Mindanao, down, way, way down south in Muslim Mindanao and the city of Davao. Huh. So at that point, it sounds like you've got your main location in Manila and you've added these two other locations. So the overall growth of the business sounds to me like it's starting to really move because you don't start building new locations unless you've got enough, you, you got enough bandwidth to support it, right? Well, it, I mean, it, it was. We were, we were pretty focused at that time. I'm not, I'm not saying we're not focused now, but we were definitely very focused on the business. And one of the reasons for the success in the early, day, early days was the fact that Although we were a moving company, we had someone at that time was me who, who focused completely and nothing else on the except on the rims business. So with focus, you tend to get growth, and we 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 were looking at growth in terms of numbers at the time around probably a hundred thousand boxes per per year. Wow! And um, we kept the focus. We aligned ourselves to other other international standards, which kind of helped us tremendously along the way. We, we were looking at the information security ISO 27001. Right. And recently, we were looking at the ISO 14001, the environmental management system. Oh, okay. So now up, up to the present day, Tom, I'll just, just some recent things that are of interest. There's a, an initiative called the Integrity Initiative, which is basically started in Europe. Um, it's a very short story. I, I think it was um, a German company Siemens, I think it was. Yeah, I'd been. They'd been involved in some huge um, scams, etc. Over there, a lot, of, a lot of briberies going on. So they were discovered, and they they said their stories, and they were brought to court, and all this. And they they said, look, we're going to help stop this. We really, we were very bad. And basically, they they put a lot of money on the table and said, let's start this integrity initiative, which we will not only use in Germany. But let's take it overseas. Oh, okay. Took it into the European. The government got behind it. The European government got behind it, which obviously was translated into all the chamber of commerce worldwide, and especially in Asia, where obviously there's a lot of bribery. Right. So it's a huge initiative, which is fantastic here because it's we've been asked to join and sign a pledge saying that we're going to adhere to these standards and all that. So it's brand brand new stuff for the Philippines. 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, Teresa has been asked to sit on the board to draft many of these standards and all that because of her background. She's an auditor, you know. Give give us a little bit of connection to Teresa. Teresa comes from an auditing background. Yeah. Yeah, we've been working together for probably eight or nine years. Yeah. She's been fantastic to us in many ways, not only on the business development side, but like I say, also on the system side. Yeah. Um, she holds a, a IRCA UK license, so she has international standards for breakfast and really understands them and it's been fantastic for our business because, oh, yeah. as you know, when you operate with these standards, you get good pretty quickly. And you, you know, it's, it's, it's been fantastic for us. Yeah? Let me ask in terms of this. Standards aren't the only thing that grow a business. How do you build a business to, what are, what are you around, a million boxes or something in that range? How, how does that all happen? What's the actual stuff that makes that grow, especially in a diverse marketplace as the Philippines is? Uh, again, I, I guess um, it may not be a, a very unusual story, but um, at the time, back in, back in the early 90s, we were one of four international moving companies here. And we figured out that if we were going to grow this business, there was two ways to do it. To do it, one was to make a big splash about it. The other way was to do it very quietly. Yeah. And we kind of chose, we chose to do it very quietly. Didn't advertise much. Didn't put anything on the trucks. Uniforms were very low key. Um, basically, we figured that we didn't want to wake up the other guys. Right. We figured if we could slowly, slowly go ahead and, and focus on the business. So all the, other, all the other moving companies were obviously very busy building their own household good business, which was in full swing at the time. Yeah. But we did the usual steps, Tom. We, we went out, we got the, um, the O'Neill software, which uh, to me is fantastic because um, it really helped me learn a lot about the business. Okay. The sense of you, you begin to understand, first of all, what the, what the software is capable of, but also it, it highlights all the functions within the business that you need to focus on. Right. Understand the functions, you can go and hire the people, the right people to fit those functions. Right. The other thing was, I suppose at the time, there was really not um, a rims industry in the Philippines. Okay. Nobody ever heard of this business. Right. For a company to give you boxes, it was probably easier to take their children than it was their boxes. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty pretty horrific. So we basically had to, uh, we basically had to educate the markers and, um, the education we would do, we would handpick our potential clients, be it banks or whatever industry we wanted to target, put them in a room, and we would teach them about records and get them to understand that the record is, a record is a living thing that has a, has a birth, it has a life, and has an ultimate demise, whether shredding or, or be it a perpetual record. So it was an interesting concept, but we, we did that, and that was very successful. So let me, let me ask you that one. Initially, as you were building this business and growing it, were there better results, say, with international companies that had headquarters or offices in the Philippines, or was this done a lot with local companies or Philippine-based companies? Well, the companies, the overseas companies that had headquarters in Manila, a lot of those, they were aware because they had standards and they had they knew this business from the states. Right. Um, they were easier. They were easier to convert. Okay. As, although, having said that, sometimes the, the local people would still resist because they they would understand that if they give us their boxes locally here, people in the warehouses are going to lose their jobs and all that. So, you always had to sell it to the correct people and try and convince the top guys that look, even though you're going to give our boxes, you can still somehow manage to keep some of the jobs. Right. Okay. 
And the, you know, the other ways, Tom, the usual, like networking, going to the Chamber of Commerce meetings and social clubs, etc. I mean, that's never been my forte, but um, my brother Brian and, and Jerry, um, they're pretty good on the, on the social network scene. Was it all sort of, you were doing this kind of on the sly, on the, on the quiet, but the moving company is actively out there doing its work and making most of the noise. Was it subtly feeding, you know, when they had business moves and those kind of things, subtly feeding boxes over to the records business, the archive group? Well, in a sense, we were cross-selling. I mean, the, the, move, the moving industry would obviously come across boxes, for sure. They would go to, like, large local moves or factory moves. They would always uncover boxes. So they would feed us right. continuous information. Right. So we had a kind of a, a little internal network there, which was, helped us grow as well, right? Right. We used to partner a lot with suppliers. I've always thought that um, suppliers can help you tremendously. They're not, they're not exactly on your payroll. You may pay them a fee or a, um, a small retainer, but they're, they're your friends out there in, in the, on the streets helping you. And I, I'm talking about like, like printer suppliers or maybe racking suppliers. Right, right. Companies, even furniture dealers or forklift suppliers insurance companies, anybody that's likely to be out there that might come across a warehouse or a operation where somebody might have tapes or whatever. And I mean, put that into the pot, that helps. It's one of those pillars you need, you know, like I say, it's, if something is proven to be successful, don't, don't ignore it. It's not that difficult to do. So. Right. It was great for us. You know, we, we also had situations where you have warehousing companies that would try to enter into the business by simply commoditizing the business in the sense of they would say that um, this business is simple. You just put records, boxes up on a shelf and, you know, you know, you have to counter that. So we had to get pretty close to customers, offer them continuous, offer them new services on a continuous basis and get, just establish relationships, hmm. strong relationships with these people. We no, figured that no. the warehousing companies, they wouldn't last because one of the things that will keep warehousing companies out of the business is the fact that if the standards are there and set, it's pretty hard for them to come in to startups and get on top of your business or whatever, right? So mostly they weren't taken that seriously, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that leads me to a, a to me what becomes a very intriguing and interesting question, which is every client who might potentially work with you, I think at one point has to get to that question, which is, why should I choose this vendor over any other option available to me? So in your marketplace, how have you responded to that question? Why should companies choose Lane Archive Technologies over the other options that are obviously available from warehousing companies to all the range of competitors that, that you could possibly have in a... Uh, and you're not in a small city, so you gotta, you got to have, uh, I can only assume, a lot of competitors. No, you're right. Yeah, there's probably four, four major competitors here, competitors here, Tom. I guess we've always had this dictum, let's strive to be different, first of all, let's strive to be the first, and let's strive to be the best. Hmm. And with those three pillars of, of idealism, we, we were able to focus and, and build it. Um, we also had credibility. I mean, our salespeople were knowledgeable, both in the global trends of RIMS, because we were members of PRISM, ARMA, so right. our, we took advantage of the fact that the there was international knowledge available. So when, when our people sat down in front of customers, they knew the business. Yeah. And it impressed, it impressed the, the, the people here that made it the decision makers, right? Right. Um, as opposed to 
coming in that doesn't know anything about the business or is a warehouse man or whatever, you know, it helps. So we, were, we weren't flogging services in the sense. We were helping them develop their needs and pointing out stuff, systems that would help them manage their information in a, in a better way. Right. Wow. On, a, on a different level, too, our crews were always very, um, uh, very courteous, very, very well-groomed, good-looking guys, young guys, strong guys, you know, um, uniforms, very colorful, um, and they, they also kind of acted as salespeople for us. Oh, I yeah. had these guys, had them going around delivering, dropping off, knock-down cartons. If they go to a building to pick up boxes, deliver boxes. If they see a secretary across the way, they go over and give her a box and Slip her a card and say, you know, here's a, here's something that'll make your boss happy to unclutter your offices and other little things like that, you know. Yeah, no, those those are the kind of things that, when done repetitively over time, start building a enough momentum for you, especially when you are initially doing it on the sly. Those those kind of things can nobody else knows you're doing them. There's no big public advertising, but behind the scenes, you're you're working like crazy to create this result. That's very cool. So the yeah. Philippines, I, my, my sense in watching being an observer of the international world, the Philippines is known for some pretty big natural disasters. So our business, the RIM business, is very dependent on protecting people's stuff. So how have you built your business to respond to that inevitable disaster that might come your way that might be a part of your geography? Well, for, first of all, Tom, you're right. I mean, the Philippines... It's actually, um, they say it's the country with more natural disasters than anywhere else in the world, right? Wow. Um, it's, it's quite incredible. I, I, after living here for 20 years, I've, I guess I've seen pretty much all of them, the earthquakes and the landslides and the floods, including the, uh, the volcano. I was here back in 91 when P Mount Pinatubo erupted. Yeah. So that was quite, quite incredible. Well, I mean, with, with our facilities, you know, you do... You know it's only a matter of time in, during the typhoon season, which we're in now, of course. It's only a matter of time before a typhoon is going to swing in. So um, we, we have a, um, an emergency team, which is a stay-in team 24-7. Um, it's a five-member emergency, emergency team, very well trained, that take care. They know how to operate our sprinklers and our, and our pumps and our generators and all that. That's also a first in the Philippines. I think we're the only only company that actually do that. So just um, explain what that means. A five-person stay-in team. What is that? It's, it's, it's a group of guys, five guys that stay in on site. We have a little, a little sleeping area on site for the guys to sleep in. And they work during the day as our kind of board team. They do various jobs during the day. They're electricians. They're, they're plumbers. They're engineers. And in, so in the evening time, they stay here. So just in case we have a serious typhoon comes through or a, a fire, God blesses, would start, whatever, they're here. They're on call. Wow. In other words, we don't, we don't just rely on our security guards. Wow. We also have, Tom, the, uh, we, we, have a, uh, we, we run the operation 24-7. So we have people in the warehouse pulling boxes. We have shifts where you have three shifts. So we have people in there pulling boxes. So at any one given time, be it during the day or during the nighttime, we have ample people to try and help with any possible disaster that might come along. Wow. That's impressive. I mean, that, that in itself, I, I realize there's 24-hour operations around, but to, to actually have a team that is trained to just be uh, emergency response-oriented, 
Uh, that that's that's pretty amazing. So when you sit down with your staff and you have staff meetings, what are you always reminding them of? What are you always harping about? What are you always reminding them that you never tire of telling them this is who we are? What, what's your thing? What's the thing that you you never stop talking about? Uh, I'm a bit of a people person. I, I guess the first thing I, I always try to remind them that they are the most important ingredient in our business. Hmm. Our organization is pretty flat, and I like to empower people. I also like to think I have an open-door policy. I'm kind of coachable. I allow them, I, I, I encourage them to say, look, any new ideas that come along, I want to hear about it. Yeah. I if, if we used to do it this way and it's no good, I want you to tell me, sir, this is no good. Let's do it this way or whatever. I really encourage and I actually financially reward good ideas that are put into practice in the operation. So it's been very good. We have competitions of the best idea. That's been good for us. Um, I encourage them not to hide problems, no matter how small. Never keep customers waiting or any issues that need to be talked about. Let's talk about it. We're very, very open, and um, we really try to strive to make it a, like a happy, happy environment, a happy culture where people really work because they enjoy it, Tom. Yeah. So they, they look forward to coming to work. Yeah. Oh, that, that, I, that's so cool. I've encouraged multi-skilled people, uh, meaning that I, in many cases, one person ends up doing somebody else's job as well hmm. because or for whatever reason, he just feels that he can do it. And so he would get paid substantially more for absorbing a few different functions, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you end up with fewer people, you end up with happier people, better paid. You know? So it, it's a nice culture and the, you know, it seems to work. Yeah. Uh, you've obviously been successful and you've obviously grown a great business. So what are the most important reasons for the success you've had? What are the things that you consider the major reasons for the growth you've had? Well, I, I'd start on a, on a personal level, Tom, um, and just go back a little bit, um, back, back to the seventies, even though they say, if you, if you can remember the seventies <laughs> or the sixties, you weren't there. <laughs> Well, I tell you, I was there. But I mean, I, I guess in the early days, um, people believing in me, people believing that I could do it. And I, I speak um, in this case about my brothers, uh, Jerry, Brian, and Davis, who was in the business at the time. They kind of took me in and believed in me. And that, that, that's the first ingredient. Secondly, I guess I did believe in myself. And I was never afraid to ask questions. Learning from the past, I guess, learning from mistakes. Um, always looking to the future because I, I realize this industry is a never-changing industry. Um, I guess um, you're born with this thing, and I think I, I am. I always, I always want to be the first and the best. No matter, no matter what I do, I just put my heart and soul into it. And I think yeah. that's an important ingredient. Oh, yeah. And then um, with these, you, you tend to apply a certain style of man management and leadership, not, not dictatorial. So... It seems to work. You have happy people working with you, not under you. And, uh, yeah, that's. I guess that that worked for us, you know. Yeah. Well, it's obvious that it's definitely worked for you. And coming in a as a foreigner, I would assume in a in a country that you were not originally from, that kind of work ethic and that kind of approach must serve you well. 
uh, all of the things you just said, th those things all become a catalyst to passing that on to other people. When you believe in yourself and other people believed in you, there's a tendency to pass that on. And I can only imagine that has had a, a significant impact on the staff that you've hired over the years who continue to work for you. Well, it has, Tom, and then you, you bring it down to grassroots level. And I, I mean, I do the same for the staff. I pass that on. I, I have taken guys that started with us carrying boxes and in a warehouse. I brought them in, groomed them, brought them into the office, taught them some skills. These guys are now, you know, very happy. They're, they're office workers. They're, some of them are in a supervisory level. And, you know, you bring out skills in people. You empower people. And I always try to hire internally before I look externally. Right. But there's always, there's always room for growth. If, if the guys are good and they're, and they're willing to learn, train the hell out of these people and they're they're very happy tom to be honest they're very yeah. good right oh they're that's great great workers we did, we'd never had too many language problems because they speak english very well so right i didn't, I didn't have to go and learn their language which is just which appreciated you know? yeah yeah so if you could go back to 91 when you started in the business and you're, you're, you joined you sort of your brothers, but your focus has been on the archive technology group, the Lane Archive Technologies. Uh, if you could go with all you know today and you could go back to 91 and give yourself the best piece of advice you could give yourself in order to even be more successful, what advice would you give yourself? Well, I guess after after being in the business with the experience I have, the first thing I, w I would probably say is the fact that you need to understand that this business is not a simple, let's put boxes on the shelf type of business. It's actually quite a complex business. Yeah. yeah. It requires a lot of discipline and a lot of le le learning curves you've got to go through, and you've got to be patient. Customer service, customer customer. Um, requirements is something that you really need to focus on. Listen to them because they're being driven by other idealisms or whatever. You have to listen very carefully. and Let the customers tell you they'll help you grow your business. Mm. International standards I've talked about before, you really, really need to take these seriously because they are tremendous growth drivers for, for our industry. Mm. You need to be patient, of course, because as you know, it's an incredibly long sales cycle, sometimes yeah. three or four years or you're going to hear it back. So you've got to be patient. Yeah. It's not going to happen bit by bit, account by account. And I would say just build your business getting as many small customers as possible because they tend to pay better. And yeah. They make business a stronger model in the end rather than relying on huge multinational major accounts with hundreds of thousands of boxes who will eventually walk out of your door and you, know, you don't want that. So. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want that single point of failure somewhere in your business. And then just on the health side, just be healthy, exercise more, and I'd say empower as many people as you can so you can take very long and extensive holidays. <laughs> oh, that's great <laughs> advice. That's wonderful <laughs> advice. Well, uh, we could probably talk for a long time, but we've we've blown through 30 minutes already. But, you know, okay. one of the things I know about you is you're a musician on the side and I'm not even sure it's on the side. I think you're probably a musician through and through and you just work because you have to. Uh, but to, tell me a little bit about your music. Well, you're right. I, I guess I'm, I've always thought to myself, I'm 50 percent musician, 50 percent businessman. Um, I've been playing music since a kid coming from an Irish Catholic family, we've always had music in it. It's always been part of our lives. Yeah. Um, 
I played um, in Australia. I used to play in a Beatles show, Beatles cover show down in Australia. I played Paul McCartney down there for eight years. And then when, in the Philippines here, I've had a couple of bands. Um, a band played in a band for eight years called Snafu, and that's a, a classic rock band. Well, I had the pleasure at one point, and this was years ago. I think we met at a conference in Europe somewhere, and after that conference, you had told me about your your music, and you sent me a CD, and you guys did pretty good stuff. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, it was, um, I, I remember that the stuff that I sent you, I, we recorded that in um, my basement of our houses here. But, uh, yeah, we were really pretty proud of you know, I've written a little bit of original stuff. Yeah. And recently... Um, Obviously, being an Irishman, I've never, you know, I've never played actually traditional Irish music. The last six months, I don't know why, but something just said, Colin, why don't you, why don't you try playing this music? So I went out and I bought myself a, a mandola, which is basically a big mandolin. Yeah. And I've, I've amazed myself, and people around me that I, I'm actually quite good at playing traditional music. And um, I went to Ireland August this year and went down to the mecca of Irish traditional music and got got to play with um, fabulous musicians and got some tips and all that. So I'm now playing um, banjo and mandolin, and I have a, have a, I'm a member of an Irish band. I put an Irish band here together wow. over the last... I'm still in there, Tom. I'm, I mean, I love it. It's just fabulous. Very cool. Well, that is, that is so good to hear, and I think that's what makes life, you know, running and own, owning a business and doing cool stuff in a business and growing substantially is a lot of fun, but having that other thing in your life that, you know, is passionate for you is great. And, and so that's, that's so cool to hear. Well, Colm, it's been fabulous talking to you. I, I have, um, you know, been aware of you and we've met a couple of times over the years and it's, it's really exciting to hear about the cool stuff you're doing. And I, I just want to say thanks for being a part of the show. I know being able to connect, um, terms of time zones and all that thanks for taking the time to make this happen today and uh continued success to you and to the team and uh i i know you're going to continue to do great things and i look forward to seeing you in the future thank you tom um thank you for having me obviously on the show i just on closing i, I i'd say that i'm glad this is um i'm glad this is not a tv tv interview because somebody once told me i have um i have a great radio face <laughs> Well, you, you, your radio face worked well today. So thanks for being a part of the show. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Take care, man. Well, there you go. All the way from the Philippines, special thanks to Colm Lane of Lane Archive Technologies for joining us today on the show I'm glad that uh, he was able to share with us some of the cool stuff that he's done over the years and they've done at Lane. And uh, special thanks to you for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate your presence. I'm, I'm glad you show up. That makes the show worthwhile. I want to remind you today that a sponsorship of this show is graciously provided by our good friends at O'Neill Software. You know, they've got technical support and customer service you can count on. And what's so cool about them is they've got regional coverage in the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, even in the Philippines. I've been checking out some of their latest updates and I watch what happens on their site and what uh, uh, continues to astound me is just how how global 
the client base and the strategic partners of O'Neill are. So if you want to learn more about them and learn how you can benefit from a connection to O'Neill, you can do so at O'NeillSoft.com. That's it for us. We are out of here. Have yourself a wonderful week. We'll be back next week with another great show. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.